there, podcast friends. Welcome to Wisdom from Above, where we go beyond the reasoning of man to the revelation of God. My name is Dr. Harlan Betts, and this is our 115th podcast. These podcasts are still available to everyone, everywhere through the internet. The eighth season of Wisdom from Above has been devoted to an investigation of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation reveals the disappearance of the church, the devastation of the tribulation. It also reveals the second coming of Christ to earth and the future reign of Christ on earth. Chapters 12 and 13 have revealed two of the members of the unholy trinity. First, we saw there will be a battle in heaven, and Satan, the fiery red dragon, will be cast out of heaven down to earth. He will know his time is short. Second, we saw a mortally wounded Antichrist will appear to be resurrected, and unbelievers will worship him all over the earth. He will war against believers in Jesus. And now today, we will examine the third member of this unholy trinity, the false prophet. The Bible says that in the last days, people will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. We're witnessing this tragic shift in theological beliefs. The third and latest report in Dr. George Barna's American Worldview Inventory 2020 evaluated the perceptions of God that people have in the United States. Among the survey's most surprising findings are that more Americans believe in Satan than believe in God, and that more people believe that Jesus was divine and a sinner than to believe he is divine and sinless. Today, only 6% of U.S. adults possess a biblical worldview, believing the Bible to be accurate and reliable. Only 9% of those identifying as born-again Christians truly have a biblical worldview. This shift away from the truths of the scripture is life-changing, and it's culture-changing, and it's heartbreaking. Most mainline denominations, both Protestant and Catholic, are giving up belief in the Bible, denying the deity of Christ, condoning homosexuality, and approving gender transitioning. They're even condemning evangelism on the basis that it is wrong and arrogant to suggest that Jesus is the only way of salvation. Many churchgoers believe that mankind can attain salvation through various religions. A seminary speaker dismissed the divinity of Jesus Christ and said, I don't think God cares if we're Christian or Muslim or Buddhist. The committee, Central Committee of the World Council of Churches declared that Christians cannot claim monopoly on truth. We need to meet men of other faiths and ideologies as part of our trust in and obedience to the promise of Christ. Rabbi Abraham Feinberg, formerly of Holy Blossom Temple in Toronto, is now rabbi-in-residence at Glide Memorial Methodist Church in San Francisco. Questioned 
as to how he could hold such a position, Rabbi Feinberg answered that it was easy. As long as the church is unconventional, doesn't mention the word of Christ in its liturgy, and is concerned with people, not theology. And that, he said, is the philosophy behind Glide Church. What in the world is going on? How has Christianity become so messed up? Somehow, love for Jesus and others has been twisted to mean ignoring Scripture, exalting sinners, and accepting sin. This tragic and heartbreaking shift away from a belief in the deity of Christ, the inerrancy of the Bible, and the moral absolutes of the Bible is a sign of the times, and it is paving the way for the leadership of the Antichrist and the ministry of the false prophet. The false, false prophet appears in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, where we read, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. First, there's a comparison. Another beast, and the word for another means another of the same kind. Well, he just talked about the Antichrist in verses 1 through 10. Now he's talking about the false prophet in verses 11 to 18. Then there's a contrast. The Antichrist came up out of the sea. The false prophet comes up out of the land. Possibly, the Antichrist rises up in the land of Israel. The sea, being the sea of Gentiles, as the Antichrist leads the revived Roman Empire, and the land, being the land of Israel, as the false prophet leads Jews and others to follow the Antichrist. Then there's the cover-up. He has two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. Matthew 7.15 talks about those who outwardly look like sheep, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 2 Corinthians 11 talks about Satan's emissaries appearing as angels of light his ministers as ministers of righteousness, but they are really false deceivers. How can they be detected? They can be detected by their speech and doctrine. They speak contrary to the scripture. They teach contrary to the scripture. The false prophet speaks like a dragon. He belongs to and he works for Satan. So that's the appearance of the false prophet in verse 11. The aim of the false prophet is found in verse 12. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Again, we have a comparison and a contrast. The comparison is he has the same power 
and authority as the first beast. And that authority, by the way, was from Satan. That power was from Satan. But notice the contrast. He has a different purpose than the first beast. His purpose is to cause all to worship the first beast. So he is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has as his purpose to draw people into the worship of Jesus Christ. We read about this in John 16, 14. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ and draws others to him. So we have the unholy trinity. The dragon is the anti-God. The first beast is the antichrist. The second beast is the anti-spirit. He tries to cause all the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the Antichrist. The term worship is made up of two Greek words, pros, which means towards, kuneo, which means to kiss, and it's actually the most frequent word used for worship in the New Testament. It means to bow down before and kiss the feet of. That's the most literal meaning, bow down before and kiss the feet of. And it means to worship, to honor, to obey, to serve, to revere. So that's the aim of the false prophet. Verses 13 to 17 talks about the activities of the false prophet. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. The false prophet, like Elijah, and like the two witnesses of the tribulation period, calls down fire from heaven. The false prophet, like Satan in Job, calling down fire from heaven to burn up Job's sheep and servants, performs great signs. Verse 14. The false prophet deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. The false prophet deceives mankind by his miracles. Once again, seeing is not proof of truth. The term for deceive means to seduce, to lead into error, to lead astray. The false prophet seduces and leads astray those people on the earth by his miracles, his false wonders. And then the false prophet prepares an idol of the Antichrist. And he causes people to bow down and worship the Antichrist. He persecutes believers. We see this in verse 15. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast 
should both speak and cause as, ma- as many as would not worship the image of beast to be killed. So he prepares this idol. He persecutes those who don't worship it. In fact, he executes all who refuse to worship this image. And the false prophet gives breath to the image of the Antichrist so that the image speaks. Now, whether this is demonic or electronic or bionic or robotic, I do not know. But it will be amazing. It will be persuasive. It will be deluding. And it will be convincing. Verse 16 and 17. He causes all. The false prophet causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. So that no one may may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So the false prophet forces people of all status, all possessions, all social standing to receive the mark of the beast, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free and the slave. He forces them to receive the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist. The term for mark here means to stamp or to impress or to engrave. It will be like a personally identifying universal product code that's easily read by scanners. Whether it's on the outside of the right hand and foreheads or inside the right hand and forehead. But if a person does not have the mark of the beast, they will not be able to buy and they will not be able to sell. This will make it incredibly difficult to get food and clothing and shelter. Difficult to even survive. This will all be possible because of the cashless checklist society and the electronic funds transfer system and the use of digital currency and this mark, this readable mark, detectable mark on the right hand or forehead. And then the last verse says, here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man His number is 666. Six is the number for man, for imperfection, for incompletion, the number of man who was created on the sixth day. Seven is the number for God and for perfection and for completion. God completed his creation in six days and he rested on the seventh day and he blessed the seventh day. So 666 is the number of the Antichrist. It's the number of a man who tries to imitate Christ, but always comes short. It's the number of a man who's part of the unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet. The false prophet will promote the Antichrist. The false prophet will force everyone to receive the mark of the Antichrist on their right hand or their forehead. And those who refuse to receive this mark will be executed. Somehow, this number, 666, will be part of that mark on the hand or the forehead.
What have I learned? What have we learned? Number one, don't base your beliefs on experience alone. Base your beliefs on the Bible. Experiences can be deceiving. Miracles can be deceiving. But God's word is always true. Number two, don't be deceived by Satan. Satan appears as an angel of light. Satan's ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. There will be people who are religious leaders who will teach things that are contrary to Scripture and they will sound wonderful and kind and loving and devoted, but they are really evil and deceitful and destructive. Satan wants to lead you astray from the purity of devotion to Christ. So number one, don't base your beliefs on experience alone. Base your beliefs on the Bible. Number two, don't be deceived by Satan. And number three, don't fall for Satan's deceit. There is no absolute truth, he would say. Jesus was just a man, he would say. Everything is relative, he would say. It's all up to you, he would say. Peace at any price. Love is all that matters. All religions lead to eternal life. These are all the deceitful teachings of Satan and his ministers of righteousness. Remember what Jesus said? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. So that brings us to number four. Don't sacrifice doctrinal purity for organizational unity. Denomination after denomination after denomination and church after church after church is giving up on the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible and turning away from a belief in the deity of Christ. They're seeking to welcome and accept people of any faith, any religion, and any belief. They hold the view that it doesn't matter what you believe. They hold the view that Jesus was just a man, a good man perhaps, but only a man. They want you to simply go along to get along. And they're willing to join together with others who reject the deity of Christ and with others who reject the inerrancy of Scripture. And they can sound so loving, so kind, but they are so deceitful and so destructive. And number five, don't accept any substitutes for Jesus Christ. Good works are good, but they don't get you to heaven. Loving is good, but it doesn't get you to heaven. Churches can be good, but they don't get you to heaven. Jesus isn't just a way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. Jesus isn't just a way to eternal life. He is the only way to eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father except through me. Don't accept any substitutes for Jesus. He should be the one you're trusting in, and he should be the one who is the center of your life. What has first place in your life? Self? Success? Money? Pleasure? Possessions? Power? Entertainment? Jesus Christ should have the preeminence in all things. We should worship him. Father, we love you, we worship you, adore you, we glorify your name. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify your name. Holy Spirit, we love you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify your name. Give God all the glory. Don't sacrifice doctrinal purity for organizational unity. Don't accept any substitutes for Jesus Christ. Don't fall for Satan's deceits. Don't base your belief on experience alone. I want to thank you for joining me for this episode of Wisdom from Above. I'm grateful to all of you who are making this podcast a part of your weekly routine. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help us out in several ways. First, hit the follow or subscribe button so that you're notified weekly about each new podcast and there is no charge. Second, Help us reach more people by telling others about the podcast and by sharing this podcast with your family or friends or on your social media. Third, give this podcast a five-star rating. Fourth, write a brief one-to-five sentence review. And fifth, if you want to donate to my podcast ministry, you can do so at teachingtotransform.org. If you'd like to contact me, you can write to Harlan Betts at iCloud.com. Or you can leave a message on my Facebook page, Wisdom from Above with Dr. Harlan Betts. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I am honored that you've chosen to partner with me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above. <laughs>